Once upon a time stood a tall, tall tree in a deep, dark forest. This tree saw everything from its high spot and it watched people coming and going all day long. The children passing by would just hear the rustle of leaves and not know that there was this tree whispering. I love your new yellow coat, the tree would whisper as they ran by. Oh my, haven't you grown? It would rustle as they sat beneath its branches. But that tree listened too, and it heard about the city and the towns, the places where trees didn't have room to grow big and strong. And this tree began to worry. Whoa, 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 wait. This whole podcast is designed to help with these worries. We've got to tell this tree about something that I really think it will like. And you know what? You will too. We've all seen and heard loads of really scary stories about climate change, but I think there are some really positive things happening that are working to reverse that, to help our planet. I'm James Stewart, and it's kind of my job to tell you about some of those things. I'm a TV presenter, climate change graduate, and I work with Harvard as one of their climate creators. So I get to look at some of this really cool research by some of the cleverest people in the world and the things that they're doing to try and help save planet Earth. And along the course of this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to some of those weird and wonderful ideas being trialled by science to try and help save our planet. So listen carefully, because I'm going to be asking a question right at the end to see if you picked up a little extra knowledge from the stuff that we've talked about. Now, we always want to start these episodes by hearing from you at home, of course, with a question or something that you might have a fear, a worry around climate change. Hello, James. My name is Sophie and I'm from England. At school, we have planted trees, as we know that trees help the environment in lots of ways. I worry that it isn't enough, though, and that trees take ages to grow. So is it a little too late? Sophie, thank you so much for your question. I'm a massive football fan. I think sport actually has a really big role to play in how we tackle climate change. And I'm really pleased today to introduce our guest. She's an international footballer. She plays for Juventus and Denmark. And before she went to the World Cup in Australia, well, she managed to convince loads of other football players to join the largest ever player-driven climate campaign. How cool is that? Basically, it meant that players donated money to support loads of causes, including planting trees in Uganda, koala habitat programs in Australia. She's awesome. It's Sophie Pedersen. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. I think you said it yourself, actually. It was actually COP15, which was the climate change conference that took place where you're from in Denmark that first made you stand up and pay attention to the subject. Was that right? Yeah, I think that's when I, I realized that, okay, when so many people come to Copenhagen, uh, big uh, politicians from all over the world were there, uh, I could see that, okay, this is serious. And then from that COP event, and for you turning that into to something that affected your own life and the way you were able to do something about that, especially in sport, by nature of what you do for a living, you have to travel all over the place. So were you aware of your impact personally on the planet just by nature of what you were doing day to day? Yeah, I think uh, for a long time I have felt bad about flying, uh, especially. Unfortunately, the the football calendar, like as I'm involved in both the clubs and and the national team and Champions League, yeah. the the calendar is is very comprehensive. So it is really really difficult to avoid not flying. We have a game maybe in London on Wednesday, and then we have to go back to Italy on Saturday for another game. So avoiding flying is really difficult. I feel bad about it, but feeling bad, I know, is not held anything. But of course, 
how I feel also makes me do something. So the first thing is to feel bad about it, know what harm it does and transfer it into some kind of action. For four or five years, I've been uh, paying compensation for all my flights. And I know that it, it would be better not to fly, but at least it's something, I think. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I, I, I know that you, you were offsetting your own flights. And then there was this amazing moment where you, well, you sort of took that a step further, didn't you? And you suggested to teammates that perhaps they should all be doing something about their carbon emissions from flying, particularly in relation to the World Cup in Australia. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you were able to do and who you brought together to create the biggest event football's ever really had for climate change? When we qualified with Denmark for the World Cup, I obviously knew that, okay, this journey to and from Australia and New Zealand would be very carbon heavy. So that's when I realized, okay, I I know I will pay myself for sure the compensation, but why not ask if anyone else would like to, to do the same? I uh, proposed the idea combined with a climate presentation I did for um the Juventus team last year and the national team. I explained the greenhouse effect. I explained uh, yeah, what the consequences are, flooding, of course, heating, then like all the bad wow. consequences that we see. Then I also turned onto uh, the responsibility because for me, it's, it's really important to explain that we in the rich countries, we are really, really responsible for, for this crisis. And then, of course, ending with explaining that we actually know what we have to do. We already have the solutions that we need and then that everybody can contribute. I wanted to ask you, because it is football's biggest climate campaign, really. Are you proud of that? You must be. Yeah, I am. I am very proud of it. We didn't want to claim that now we are the heroes, but that this is uh, something we do. We travel to the World Cup. The World Cup is an is an important event for women and girls and, and people around the world. So it was difficult for us to avoid the flight. But we also acknowledging that it really has an impact on our planet. Like there are 3.5 billion uh, football fans around the world. So of course, football has a great, great platform to enlighten people about this crisis. Also, football is under threat. Yeah. When I like talk to people, I say that, okay, people are dying from uh, climate changes. So they're really serious things, but also football. It will be so sad to uh, not be able to play football like we do today. And not only on the, the grassroots level, but also the, the professional uh, football world will be affected by this. So if the stadiums are flooded, then we will not be able to play. Or if there is a hurricane or heavy rain it's it's just not possible and that's that's really sad like you said people are people are sort of losing their lives and you know sport therefore is a a place that we can say look this this is the problem and we can i think still there is time to do something about it and this is actually a great moment for me to introduce someone to you who's very much doing something about that I'm really pleased to say that I'm joined by Evan, a research professor, one of the most brilliant minds in the world, uh, behind an amazing concept called Liquid 3. This is a project which has introduced liquid trees to Serbia. A liquid tree. I mean, I'm so fascinated. How did you come up with this idea? I'm a biologist. I I do research with, with living things and we have in our team also an architect. So we thought, let's come up with something together and let's try to help our community. 
the architect, she came with the idea, let's put microalgae in the street. So we thought, okay, let's combine these systems that you can use to grow microalgae. And then we had some designs, some colors, and uh, liquid was born. So microalgae, so just for, for people that might not know what that is, that's a living organism that you are able to use. And how does it work? How does it, what does it do that a tree does? Microalgae are very similar to plants. They harvest the energy of the sun to bind carbon from carbon dioxide from the air and release oxygen. In this way, they trap something that we produce and they give us back something that we need. In addition to this, these microalgae, they live in water. So we have to put them a tank with water in order to, like fish, they need water to live. And while the air goes through the water, it is also clean from the dust. So it also removes particles in the air that can go into our lungs. An additional benefit. And they, I think they look so cool because they look almost like a sort of sort of space style technology because it's kind of a green, the microalgae makes it that, that green color. And they look like something from a science fiction film, don't they? How, how would you describe them to people that haven't seen them? The design and that look is very important because otherwise people wouldn't use it and wouldn't accept it. So you cannot put in the street something that is only a function. It has to be also nice looking and it should have some additional uses such as bench and you can charge your phone or a laptop. So I would explain it like a combination of natural based air purifier and the bench. Yeah. That is a, that is liquid use. <laughs> And do, do they, because at school, all the kids learn that trees are really good for the planet because they help you know, make more oxygen and we can breathe better. Does a liquid tree do the same thing? Liquid tree uh, does the same thing. The oxygen that we breathe, half of it is produced by plants, by trees, and half is produced by microalgae. So they are together needed for, for our, our living. So it's like a perfect combination coming together. And this is actually designed to work alongside living trees, isn't it? It's not instead of. I don't know. Uh, you, you cannot replace the trees. It's, it's uh, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm a biologist. So <laughs> it, would be very, it would be a very stupid idea. The idea with liquid tree is not to replace the trees, yeah. but to use them in areas that you cannot use the trees. For example, you have a pedestrian area or a large square and you put benches in these areas and we offer liquid tree as a replacement of a bench so why why have only a bench when you can have a bench and a tree one thing that we could all do the people listening to this podcast that we could help to save planet earth what is the one thing we could be doing trust the science yeah, nice. so just trust the facts because science is very slow to produce the facts very careful each fact is, uh, and each theory is undergoing the scrutiny of challenges by the community, by scientific community. So trust, trust the science, and I think we will be fine. Can I build a liquid tree in my house, in my garden? Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, you can. You can grow microalgae at your at your terrace or in your garden, wherever you like. Basically, you need a vessel with water, some minerals that they need, like we need, and microalgae, and they will they will grow. I know what I'm going to be doing this afternoon. <laughs> That's my day sorted. <laughs> hey, hopefully we'll see some more liquid trees coming to cities near us soon. So Ivan's liquid trees are basically massive tanks of water, right, that are also filled with this vibrant green, bright green microalgae. It almost looks a bit like gunge or slime. And together they help purify the air. How amazing is that? 
And like Ivan says, we should trust the science and hopefully we'll see more and more liquid trees on our streets soon. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you heard something in there and there was lots to, to digest that inspired you to go and do something amazing. Anything you can to help save planet Earth. There's nothing too small or too weird to make an impact. Now I think it's only right we head back to Sophie. Well, if I were saving our amazing planet, the first thing I'd absolutely do is litter picking and using cold water more often. Excellent work. Oh, I, I love to hear the things that you're up to and what you're doing to save planet Earth. Keep them coming in if you want to get in touch. Please do. We love hearing from you. You can email us, savingplanetearthpod at gmail.com. Okay, question time again. It's about trees. Now, we talked about the liquid trees being a green colour, didn't we? But what did we say gives them that green colour? It was microalgae. Yeah, that's the tiny plants that live in water and help produce oxygen. It sounds pretty gross, but it looks really cool. It looks like gunge. Before we go, this next bit is more for the grown-ups and it helps keep this podcast free just for you. <laughs> 